0: Life audio. I'll never forget that I got saved in a tiny Methodist building with an overhead projector and one guy my dad's age leading on guitar.
1: Welcome to Conversations on the Walk. In this episode, we're delighted to feature the talented Philippa Hanna from the UK, adding an English flair to our international lineup this past month. After engaging with voices from Australia and Ireland in the previous episodes, we continue to explore the insights of creative Christians globally. This diverse perspective not only broadens our understanding of faith, but also showcases the transformative work of the Holy Spirit around the world. Philippa dives into compelling topics, shedding light on the experience of a person of faith navigating a post-Christian world. Here we go. The first question we asked was revivals in the air here in the U.S. Does that affect your songwriting?
0: I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's going to affect the kind of songs I'm writing. Because whatever revival is, it's something I've been keen to chase since I got saved. So I got saved at the age of 21. And for me, that was my revival. That was me being brought back from the dead. (laughs) Uh, And so whenever I write a song... I'm thinking about the person in the room who either doesn't know Jesus yet or doesn't know him well or doesn't know him intimately or needs to feel that they know him in a deeper way. And I think that that feels like my mantle as a leader, whatever you would want to call me. So the personal revival interests me.
1: What's the role of worship in your church expression?
0: The role of worship in... My church expression is to bring people into the presence of God, Uh, but I think it it serves many purposes. I think that the songs encourage people, they give people life, they teach people. So one of the things I'm really keen to do is always get a really good theologian's eye on what I'm writing to make sure that it's it's good teaching because some people won't listen to a sermon, but they'll listen to a song. Again, rightly or wrongly, for better or worse. So I think worship in our expression of church is to carry people into God's presence.
1: How much do you allow social media to be a part of your day?
0: I've spoken a lot about social media and its role on mental health and well-being. Uh, I have to moderate my intake of social media because I'm so prone to comparing myself with other people's achievements and other people's activities. But at the same time, it's such an amazing vehicle also for teaching people, inviting them into experiences. And I, I like to use my plot f- platform to be vulnerable. So I share my life, I share my stories, I try and tell the truth. Um, so I think it's, it's a double-edged sword. It, uh, it's, it comes with responsibility.
1: What would you say to a young person who says church isn't relevant to them?
0: To a young person who would say that the church is not relevant for them... I'd say, well, put your life where your mouth is. <laughs> Make it relevant. Make it relevant for you. Make it relevant for your friends. If something's not being said, maybe it's maybe you're going to be the one to say it. If there's a song that's not been written, maybe you're going to be the one to write that song. Um, I think we have to be be the change we want to see.
1: What are the biggest differences between the American church and the church you attend in the UK?
0: I really like this question. I think church is so cultural here and um, I mean I, I'm, I've been in Nashville many times now, I've visited so many churches, there's a church on every corner and I think what I appreciate about going back to the UK is the there's no, there isn't that sort of deafness to the gospel because it's so under told <laughs> and so when I tell somebody about my faith in the UK they're really like, oh wow you, you gave your life to Jesus, that's Tell me about that. That's so un you know, something they don't hear every day. And so and I love that. I love to be able to bring that fresh perspective. I think there's a danger of that. You know, when you say the same word over and over again and it loses all meaning? That's I think that's a syndrome. And I think you can see so much church, hear so much yes and amen that it loses all meaning. So I think it's good to get that cultural perspective. Remember that God's not just, you know, part of our Country club social experience. Um, he's, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.
1: When we come back, Philippa covers Nashville and has some encouragement for our listeners. I also want to thank Planning Center for supporting this episode. As a part of that partnership, we spent some time with Aaron Stewart, the co-founder, and we asked him questions about leadership since so many of our listeners are leaders. Today's question for Aaron is, how do you motivate and inspire your team?
2: This is a great question. It's almost unfair for me to answer this because I think as I've been working with more product managers, we have, I don't know, eight, nine, or 10 of them now. We've sort of learned that everyone has, like, different skills. And one of my... I am just... I'm an excited person. Like, <laughs> I I am excited about the next thing, and I think excitement is infectious. And yes. so for me, this has just been something that I have not had to think about very much because when I know what the next thing we're going to do, I'm just excited to do it. And so when I talk to my team about it, I can't help but communicate that excitement to people. And so I do think being motivated and figuring out how to express your internal motivation for people and, like, connect them with the why... Like, and connect them with those stories. I think that is really important. Now, part of being a leader is figuring out how you do it. And the way you do it is not going to be the same as me. But I think figuring out who your team members are and like, so one of the questions we get at planning, so I'm going to pivot just a little bit, is how do you get people to respond to their scheduling requests? Why can my people just not click that accept and decline button? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think so much of this goes down to, have you had a simple conversation with your people that is explaining to them how clicking accept and decline contributes to the greater mission of the church, contributing to individual lives changed, connect, like this. that's not easy to do. People are not going to connect clicking accept with someone becoming a Christian. That is part of your job as the worship leader. When you click accept, that helps me have more time in my job to actually focus on thinking about how I'm going to pick songs that do this and contribute in other ministries. But if I'm spending all my time calling people on the phone and not knowing who's actually going to be available to serve, then I don't have time to focus on changing lives and reaching people for Christ because I'm doing so much administrative work.
1: Planning Center is a set of software tools to help you organize information, coordinate events, communicate with your team, and connect with your congregation. You can find out more about Planning Center at PlanningCenter.com. Philippa was saved in her early 20s, and she didn't grow up in the church, so we asked how does that affect her songwriting?
0: When you've been forgiven much love much. And so, you know, having had the sort of young person experience I had of being a total tearaway teen, really struggling with my mental health and being at spiritual rock bottom when I got saved, I didn't look like I was at rock bottom, but I was in a, an abusive relationship. I was in debt. I was chasing the music dream, rejection after rejection, just feeling really hopeless, um, not really having any sort of Positive in my worldview at all. It just looked like everybody in my life was struggling. The world looked to be struggling, and and so I've definitely got had the sort of I once was lost and now I'm found experience, and so that's the kind of song that I resonate with. That's the kind of song I want to write. I want to write songs that get, help people have a revelation of who Jesus really is and what what the fact that He's real actually means for them.
1: Do you enjoy coming to Nashville to write songs?
0: I love writing songs in Nashville. I mean, I love writing songs anywhere. Um, I think I'm learning how to, just like purely being honest, like learning how to trust what God's put in me and my unique perspective, because people are super good at writing songs here. Super good. Um, But it's, it's important to remember that it's not just about skill, songwriting. It's about truth. And I think, you know, A truth shared skillfully is a great song. And so I'm I'm just learning to trust God and that what he's put in me is worth sharing and I need to stand on that. Even in those situations where you're sort of surrounded by Grammy award-winning songwriters, it's like, yeah, but I've I've had the revelation and God's given me something, so.
1: Tell us about your home church.
0: I've been on staff at a church for about a year and it's quite a large church for the UK. It's probably 800 to 1,000... I used to be bigger, used to be more services, and then it was a two-year black hole of not attending church, which affected things. Uh, but I guess you could say it's pretty much the contemporary template you would imagine. Band, LED wall, lights, smoke, um, notices, videos, all of that, all of that good stuff. But I'll never forget that I got saved in a tiny Methodist building with an overhead projector, and one guy my dad's age leading on guitar. And I I do think that God set that up intentionally (laughs) because whenever I feel, you know, whenever we're planning our events, services, whatever, and we put so much thought into these production things, we have to remember, but is that gonna lead to more souls in heaven? Will it? Will it not? Does it really matter? (laughs) It definitely didn't matter for me. Um, it was God's presence, his authentic presence in that moment that, that led me in to give my life. So I like to remember that it wasn't the age of the worship leader or how cool they looked or um, how relevant, uh, to use that word again, that it appeared. It was the truth. It was the truth of the gospel and it was the presence of God. The church I got saved in was, um, yeah, it was a Methodist building, but it wasn't a Methodist service. It was was a worship leader who came to sing some songs, and it was, I guess you could call it charismatic, although I didn't know what that was. A lot of praying aloud, people were praying in tongues, people were praying very, very demonstratively (laughs) on the floor, doing whatever they felt like doing. And I was just a 21-year-old feeling super awkward because I'd never been in a church before. But the worship leader, whose name was Godfrey Bertel, I don't know if you're familiar with him, um, he was singing a song called My Troubled Soul, or Praise the Mighty Name of Jesus. And it was just a very direct narrative. My troubled soul, why so weighed down? You weren't meant to bear this heavy load. Cast all your burdens upon the Lord. Because Jesus cares. He cares for you. And it almost felt like... Did they know I was coming tonight? Like, who's rigged it? I actually did feel like it was some kind of personal (laughs) rigged deal. I looked to my left and to my right, and people were just lost in their own worship. And and so I just had a one-on-one with God in that moment. And I was like, okay, this is very powerful. I I feel what they're saying when they say, cast your burdens on the Lord. I feel heavy laden. I feel burdened. And so I prayed and asked God to take the burdens. (laughs) And then that was the moment. And that was as simple as it was. There was no, actually no physical altar call. There was no leaflet. There was no, no one laid hands on me. Like it was just, it was God, but it was God's presence. And it was that clear, honest invitation. It was enough.
1: What does it mean to you to be a ministry-minded artist?
0: To be a ministry-minded artist for me is just God first. God first, Holy Spirit leading first. Um, will this bear fruit for God's kingdom? And so that means that the ministry itself looks different from one year to the next. So there have been seasons where I've toured with mainstream artists and I've been singing songs about worth and and self-esteem to teenage girls. And then there have been times where I've been uh, just helping coach younger worship leaders. <laughs> and so for me, that's what being a ministry-minded artist, it's like, what does, what would God have me do in this season that's going to bear fruit?
1: Do you feel you're called to minister in the church, outside the church, or does it really matter?
0: I've, I've had lots of thoughts about whether I'm called to the church or not. I think the most important thing is that I serve the church. It is a service to the church to be used as an outreach instrument (laughs) Um, because, for instance, I might tour churches in the UK and I'll be like, this event will be okay to bring your friends to. I've got a sense of humor. I'm not going to bombard them with stuff they won't understand. I'll just tell my story. I'll share my faith in a relational friend type way. We'll do some great music. We'll have a great night. And that will be the open door for you to then invite them to an alpha course or a, ch- a Sunday night service that's a bit more relaxed or whatever. So I've, I've, I've tried to be that sort of bridge between the church and the, and the marketplace, if you like, for a while. But again, this season has taken me into more of a worship space and that came through a personal journey with my family and lots of difficult things happening. Um, we just had a really rough season, four years of everything you can imagine pretty much bereavement, divorce in the family, having my first baby, having postpartum anxiety and depression, pandemic, everything. And um, my my way through that was worship. So I came to Nashville to write songs and where I would normally have been writing sort of inspirational pop um, or CCM, I just wanted to worship. I just wanted to worship my way through it. And that is what led to me sort of making my first worship record. Um, and by worship, I would say vertical, vertical calling on, on the name of the Lord for help, declaring his promises in a very open and sort of obvious way. But yeah, I think it's okay for the way your gift serves God's kingdom to, to change over time, to go with the season. And I'm probably, you know, I, there was a season where me going on tour with a with a girl band as an opener worked, Maybe that's not season's not now. Um, But I'm so glad I did that. So glad, you know, to to hear testimonies from young women saying, I hated myself. I wasn't eating properly. I was self-harming. And your songs helped me to, to realize my worth. And even if they don't even say my worth in Jesus, I think that's a really great first step to open the door to share Jesus with them. So it's almost like we've been on a long journey together, my audience and I, of me testifying to them, um, having fun with them. And then this season seems to be more about me just, well, hopefully them seeing me worshiping Jesus and, and what that looks like.
1: Philippa closed out this conversation with some encouragement for our listeners.
0: I feel like this is a real season to not to second guess whatever it is on your heart to share for God. And so like, go with what you feel God's pleasure on. Um, And, you know, for me, entertaining people, making them laugh and smile is also important as well as singing holy, holy, holy. And I do think that we've got eternity to sing holy, holy, holy as well. Bible says so. All of those other activities that create relationship, community, life, love, that bring your near ones nearer. Um, I, I feel like the church is in a season where they're where it's really waking up to that again, or it's it's recentering around that. It's like who's around your table, who's around your kitchen table, and you know how is your relationship creating life between you? And um, the, as a new mum in a community, uh, in a church community, that's super important to me, so do you for Jesus.
1: Thank you, Philippa Hannah, for spending time with us and sharing some of your story. If you haven't done so already, it would mean a lot to us if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. All right. Until next time, I want to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership. If you go to LifeAudio.com, you'll find a collection of faith-centered podcasts about health and wellness, parenting, current cultural events, Bible teachings, and more. So check them out at LifeAudio.com. I'm Joshua Swanson. Thanks for listening.